Last week was a powerful message. Uh, if you weren't here, I'd encourage you to watch that. Uh, sad but true, it is the world that we live in right now where people are blinded. They don't see. I also believe that uh, what, before last week, what God had laid on my heart to share today is going to tie in with that. You should have seen it in color. Some things you have to see to believe. Because we say, there's no way that that could really ever happen. There's no way that that could happen in America. There's no way that would happen in the United States. You know, we would say, well, we were are a Christian nation, or we used to be a Christian nation, founded on Christian principles. And then I turned on the TV last Sunday night, and I see things like this. I'm sure you know what this is going to be. I turned on the TV last night. This is a picture of the Grammy Awards. I don't even get a, you can take that off now. I don't get cable TV. We don't watch a lot of TV at my house. Um, I just have an antenna. Well, Sunday night, I thought I was getting ready for bed. I sat in the chair, turned on the TV, and I think first was uh, America's Got Talent, Simon Cowell, or whatever. I was like, yeah, I don't want to watch that. So I flipped it to the next channel, and I literally, I guess it was, I don't know if that's perfect timing or bad timing, but that's what was on the Grammy Awards. A man dressed like Satan, many said it was actually worshiping Satan, Sam Smith dressed as the devil while dancers act like demons seem to bow down and worship around him. Even many of the news outlets last week, they said we're going to show up and worship tonight. And I think the song that he sang was called Unholy. And as I sat there in my living room and I saw that and I was like letting that soak in, like I was like, what am I really seeing? I thought last Sunday of his sermon that he had just preached Sunday morning. And I thought of the words that Paul wrote in Romans 1. Romans 1, 21 says this. <clears throat> yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. And as a result, <clears throat> their minds became dark and confused. And church, that is dark. And that is confused. That is idolatry and apostasy. That is where we are, church. That is the world that we live in. That is the music that probably some of your kids listen to, that many adults listen to. That is who many in this culture would look up to and praise. And that's usually when I say, come Lord Jesus, amen. But my sermon title today is this, you should have seen it in color. Some things you have to see to believe. Some things I, I don't believe pictures do it justice. And what I mean by that is the first picture is this. He's going to put this up on the screen. This is the Grand Canyon. And I went to the Grand Canyon uh, when I graduated high school. And uh, I'm terrified of heights, by the way. Um, so I got next to the edge and I'm just terrified. But to see that is just, it's, it's, it's crazy how, how massive it is. And uh, a picture really doesn't do it justice. I love to go hunting, and uh, there's so many mornings when I've been hunting and I watched a sunrise. I'm sure many of you have watched the sunrise, and in those moments as I see the sunrise, I'm just in awe of the beauty of that. And even though these pictures are beautiful, it really doesn't do justice to that moment when you're sitting outside and you experience that moment in the still and the quiet. 
I think of, uh, I like to fish too, and there's a many mornings that I've been on a lake, and I've saw the sun come up over that water, and to think that the God who can cause that sun to rise and to do that is the same God that loves me. I'm sure many of you have traveled before, and you've been on an airplane, and as you're above the clouds, and you see that sun shining above the clouds, and in that moment, that's a pretty picture, but you just want to soak in that moment in the beauty and the awe of that moment. I think of watching the sunrise and the sunset on a beach. You have to see that in color. I think of a moon, especially a beautiful full moon. I don't know about y'all, but how many of y'all have ever tried to take a picture of the moon? And so it's, it's beautiful, and you're like, oh, I'm going to go outside, I'm going to take a picture of it. So you go out there, and you get your camera, and you're like, chick, click, and then you look at your camera or your phone. Does it look anything like the moon? No. You're like, what, as good as the Apple or the iPhone or the Android is that you're using, whatever it is, in that moment, you cannot make that picture look like that moon. Like, I guarantee you, they've done a lot of editing to make that picture look that pretty. You have to see it in color. I think of the stars in the night sky. I think of in that moment when you look up and you see millions and millions of stars and you realize that he's numbered them and he's named each one of those by name. And he created and he spoke that into existence. And I'll hold my camera up and I'll try to take a picture of all these beautiful stars and I'll look and it just looks like a black, black screen. Pictures can't do it justice. You have to see it in color. I think of a newborn baby. The first time that I saw my child. When, when they were born. In that moment, no picture could do justice for that moment when I experienced and held my child for the first time. Some things you have to experience. You know, I was thinking many of you probably saw on the news the past several days, or if you have social media around here, Asbury University, they started a chapel service on Wednesday, and I guess as of now, that chapel service is still continuing, has not ended. And they're calling it kind of like this happened years ago there, like that a, a revival was broke out. And in those moments, Lauren has a cousin that goes to Asbury, and they were sending pictures and stuff. And the pictures are great, and you can see everybody. But nothing takes place of experiencing that in person and in color. And when I think of all that, everything that you just saw, I think of the words of David that he writes in Psalms. 8 verse 1. Turn with me. Psalms 8 verse 1. It says this, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens through, through the praise of children and infants. You have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, it says, the work of your fingers. The moon and the stars. It says this, which you have set into place. What is mankind, church? What is us? That you are mindful of them. Human beings that you care for them. You have made them a little lower than the angels. And crowned them with glory and honor. You made them ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet. 
Our flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky, the fish in the sea, all that swim in the paths of the sea. David saw everything that God had created, and he said, God, what are you, the God that could do all this, that could speak all this, that with your finger could create all this, and you would care about me? You would care about what's going on in my life, and you would care about how my week's going and my issues and my problems. That same God is concerned about us. And when we see everything that we've experienced, and when we see the moon and the stars and all of creation, you have to testify to what you have experienced and seen and heard. When you see that sunrise or that sunset, you send it, I know usually in our family, we have like family group text and things, and you send that picture in a group text, or you might post it in social media if you're really cool, you might put like hashtag sunset, hashtag sunrise, hashtag beautiful, I love sunsets. <laughs> and that's what happened to this book I'm holding. Those in this book, those that we read about in this book, they saw it in color. The stories that we read, they experienced it in person. And they wrote it down, being led by the Holy Spirit. And this is, this is not a fairy tale. This is not make-believe. It really happened. And I believe they would tell us this morning, man, if you could have just seen when that Red Sea was parted, if you could have just seen when, when he spoke everything into existence. We was, we was in the boat in the middle of a storm, and the wind and the waves obeyed him. There was a man named Jonah. We threw him overboard, and, and he was ate by a fish, and he lived to tell about it. One day we were on the water, and, and a man was walking on the water. It was Jesus. You should have saw it. He literally walked on top of the water. It really happened. We saw it. He healed a leopard. He healed a man that was blind. I just touched the hem of his garment and I was healed. They would tell us there was this one day I, I, we were fishing. We couldn't catch any fish. And he tells us, why don't you try fishing on the other side of the boat? We thought he was crazy. We did it anyways. We caught more fish than we have ever caught in our lives. Church, we believe that this stuff really happened. That those in this book, they saw and experienced it in person and in color. And it changed their lives. And church, it changed their lives so much that they were willing to die for what they saw. They were willing to lay down everything for what they had experienced. They believed it so much. <clears throat> they were willing to leave everything. Matthew 19 29 talks about this, and those that were willing to lay down and leave everything for this man named Jesus. It says this, and everyone who has left houses, or brothers or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or fields for my sake, will receive a hundred times as much, and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. There are those that weighed the cost, but because of what they had experienced, heard what he had done in their lives, 
They were willing to lay it all down. They chose to be last in this world because they believe one day there will be a great reversal. There will be a day when it won't matter what you have. The last will be first and the first will be last. Those fishermen would leave behind their livelihood, their jobs, their paycheck. And Matthew said they would receive a hundred times as much and inherit eternal life. Church, that's a deal. <clears throat> and it's easy to say that, but it's another thing to believe that. And God's Word says that those that live that kind of life, those that are willing to give everything, those that were willing to give everything for the kingdom of God, no matter the cost, it says the world wasn't worthy of them. Hebrews 11 is called the faith chapter. And it talks about those in Scripture that were sold out for the king. That were willing to give it all for God. It, it says by faith, and it mentions so many of their names in Hebrews 11.4, it says by faith Abel. Hebrews 11.5, it says by faith Enoch. Hebrews 11.7, it says by faith Noah. Verse 8 says by faith Abraham. When called to go to a place, would receive his inheritance, went. We know that story. Verse 20 says, by faith, Isaac. By faith, Jacob, in verse 21. 22, by faith, Joseph. Verse 23, by faith, Moses. By faith, the prostitute, Rahab. And I want you all to turn with me to verse 32, we're going to read a little more of this. 11.32, it says this, And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell you about Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions who quenched the fury of the flames and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was, was turned into strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life. There were others, don't miss this, who were tortured. And it says this, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Verse 36 says, some face jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, mistreated. It says the world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Because of what they saw in color, they were willing to face jeers and floggings lose their own life because they couldn't help but talk about what they had seen and heard and experienced, no matter the cost. 
And it's easy for us to sit here today and we could say this. Well, if I was alive during that time, if I saw somebody walking on the water or Taylorsville Lake and they just walking out there all day, I, I'd probably believe in it too. You know, if, if they's going to the hospital and touching and healing everybody, I'd probably believe. I would totally surrender like them if I saw and experienced what they did in Bible times. But Scripture says this in John 20. I want you to picture Jesus had just died. Jesus had rose again, and he was appearing to people after his resurrection. And that brings us to this, John 20, starting in verse 24. This is where Jesus appears to Thomas. It says this, Now Thomas, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and put my fingers where the nails were, and put my hands into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again. And Thomas was there with them. Though the door was locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Don't miss this next part. This is in your notes. Blessed are those who have not seen. That would be us, church. Yet have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen, yet have believed. Church, this morning I believe. You yeah, man, I wish I could have been there to see, see some of this in person. I would have loved to have seen the waters part when he crossed the sea and they shut it back on the Egyptians as they was coming after him. I would have loved to have seen Jesus walk on water or Lazarus been raised from the dead, but I believe that God's Word is truth. And I believe that it all really happened. I believe that Matthew and Mark, Luke, John, Paul, all of the, these that we read about, they saw and experienced everything in color. And I believe also that us in this room that believe we'll also one day see them in color. I believe we will stand before the God that created all things and we will see his nail-pierced hands. We will see the scars that he bore for us. We will see Matthew, Mark. We will see the prophets and those that went before us. And I'm sure they will love to tell us about everything that they experienced. If I'm honest, it, everything that I've seen and I've experienced in my life, it takes me more faith to believe that everything I've seen and experienced is just by accident. The experiences that I've had in my life, the provision that God has given me and my family, what I've saw Him deliver other people out of is enough for me to testify that I believe that God is real, that everything I've experienced is not just an accident. Romans 1.20 says this, For since the creation 
of the world. God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without what? Excuse. We're without excuse. The man in the picture that we watched earlier is without excuse. We are all without excuse. We live in a world where many say there is no God. But if you were to take their phone and look at their Facebook post or their Instagram or their photo, their photos on their phone, maybe the new child that they're holding, that alone would testify that there is a God by what they've seen, by what they've experienced, by what they've gone through would say, there's a God, this just doesn't happen. That just didn't happen to show up today. That had a creator. There is something so much bigger than us. That sunrise testifies that there is a God. That sunset, that ocean. It couldn't just happen by chance, random processes. There is too much order. And all of this didn't come from nothing, but from something. And that something is our God and King. You can deny there is oxygen, but you will still breathe it. You can deny gravity, but it's still holding you to this earth. You can deny there is a God, but He still holds everything in His hand. And one day Romans 14 says this in Romans 14, 11. It says, it is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord. This is in your notes. Every knee will bow before him, and every tongue will acknowledge God. Every, not some, every one of us. The scoffer will see him in color. The mocker will see him face to face. The skeptic will see the truth. The doubter will be convinced. The haters will see love face to face. The unforgiving will see what grace and mercy look like. And the atheists will see God for who He is, that He is real. And it says on that day, when many stand before Him, they will say this, Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. Church, we have to know him. He has to be our King and our Lord and our Master. There can be no other gods before Him. It is so easy to become frustrated with the godlessness of this world. It is so easy to be frustrated with how lost so many are. Because so many mock His name. The news, it's loud and proud about it now. We can't even turn on the TV or the radio without hearing and seeing evil and garbage and trash. But church, one day all of that will change. One day all the wrongs will be made right. 
One day he will settle accounts. And on that day, it says this is what will happen. Revelation 6.12, I watched as he opened the sixth seal. There was a great earthquake. The sun turned black like sackcloth and made of goat hair. The whole moon turned blood red. And the stars in the sky fell to earth as figs dropped from a fig tree when shaken by a strong wind. The heavens receded like a scroll being rolled up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. The kings of the earth, the princes, the generals, the mighty, and everyone else, both slave and free, everyone, hid in caves and among the rocks of the mountains, and they called the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who can withstand it? Church, there will be a day when those who have not been called up to be with the Lord, and they will cry out for the mountains to fall on them. They will be humbled. And on that day, it won't matter if you're rich. It won't matter if you're poor. It won't matter how much money's in your bank account or if you live in the White House, what your status is. On that day, if you are not for him, no longer will he be the God of grace and mercy and love, but he will come to judge and to settle accounts. You see, there has to come a day when we decide who we are, church, and what we believe. I have to decide who I am and who I, I'm going to serve, who my family is going to serve. We need to stop playing games. We must fear God, the kind of fear that draws us to Him and not away from Him. The kind of fear where we fall down and worship Him and we submit our lives to Him. I, Joshua spoke these words to the Israelites. He says this in Joshua 24, 14. Now fear the Lord and serve Him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshiped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves, yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the God of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But he says this, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Church, we must choose who we will serve. Too many, yes, even in the church, have come to love this world, to make this world home. We have to love Him with all that we have. This faith has to become our faith. Students and kids in this room, there comes a day when it can't be your parents' faith. It has to be your faith. You have to decide who you are and what you believe. Your parents can't save you when you stand before God. We can't say, Mom and Dad were a Christian. Or the preacher was a, what about him? Or my wife or my husband was a Christian. 
It has to be your faith. There was a day when Chad Cooper had to decide that it was no longer Terry and Janet Cooper's faith, but it had to become mine, and he had to become Lord of my life. And when that happens, he started writing my story. He started strengthening my faith. Because when you walk in faith, when you seek Him, you experience Him. And you see that He is real and you cannot deny Him and His power in your life. Many of you in this room, you know those stories, you have those stories in your life. Stories that you can't make up. Stories, there's no way that that could just have happened. Not just happenstance. You have experienced God. You have seen Him move. You have seen Him provide. You have seen Him deliver in your life. Some of you in this room, maybe even this, just this past year, He has carried you, and that is the only way that you have made it through what you have experienced. The loss, the sickness, the death, finances, addiction, you fill in the blank. And this morning, you have a testimony. And no one can take that away from you. You have seen what He has done in color in your life. You have experienced it and lived through it firsthand. You have felt Him as you have walked through the valley of the shadow of death. And you have a testimony. And when you have a testimony, the enemy flees. Why? Because he fears you. Not because he fears you, but because he fears who is inside of you. The motorcycle group here at church uh, have some shirts and hoodies and stuff, and this scripture is on the back of that shirt. I love this passage, and seeing it uh, as I see people with these on as they walk around, it says this, Revelation 12, 11. They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Church, no one can take away what God has done in your life. You have a testimony. You have a story. It might not be pretty, but He is writing it for your good and His glory. Some of you, He's just starting to write it. Some of you, He's been writing it for 70 years. Some of you this morning, you've been trying to write your own story. You've been trying to hold, hold on to the reins and be in control, but God can make something beautiful out of our mess. Isaiah 61.3 says this, and provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and the garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor, Church, it says He can make beauty out of the ashes of our life. He can make something beautiful out of the mess and the struggles that we have been through. And some say, God can't use me. The unqualified is what God specializes in. This is in your notes. I wrote this. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Let me say that again. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies those He has called. So you can't use that as an excuse. Abraham, 
He was old when God used him. Some of you have been using that excuse. I'm too old now. I can't do nothing for God. I'm getting too old. Elijah, he was suicidal. Joseph was abused. Job went bankrupt. Moses had a speech problem. Gideon was afraid. Samson was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. Samaritan woman was divorced. Noah got drunk. Jeremiah was young. Jacob was a cheater. David was a murderer. Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Peter denied Christ three times. Zacchaeus was small and money hungry. The disciples, they fell asleep while Jesus was praying. Paul, a Pharisee who persecuted and killed Christians before becoming one. Church, he can use you and he wants to use you. We have a Celebrate Recovery program here on Monday nights. I'm able to lead worship many nights for it. I love being a part of it. And one of the most powerful things about that service is the testimonies. To see how God has changed so many stories. It makes me think of the, the words of amazing grace. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. I was in darkness, but now I'm in light. And to hear and to see those stories and those testimonies that you can't deny what God has done, what God has freed those from, what God has saved them from, what God has brought them out of that darkness into that light. And it is powerful. And you got to see it in color and you got to be there and you got to see it in person. And you won't be the same person when he gives you a testimony. But the only way we have a testimony is through the blood of a man named Jesus. And you have to seek him. And sadly, it does take us sometimes hitting rock bottom when all we can do is look up. But church, if you seek him, you will find him. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. Let me say that again. You will seek me and you'll find me. You'll seek God, church, and you will find him, but you will only find him when you seek him with all of your heart. When you love him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And when you do that, Romans 8, 28 says this, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. I ask you this morning, do you love him? This past week, how much did you seek him? How much did you seek his face? How much did you seek his word? If you feel like you aren't worthy enough, remember that Jesus used a bunch of flawed people to share hope to a flawed world. In him we find renewal and mending. Jesus didn't call the equipped. He equipped the called. And no matter what you have been through in life, remember that the same power that rose Jesus from the grave, the same power that walked on water, the same power that raised Lazarus from the dead, that parted the seas, that's the power that we have access to. That's the power that can live inside of your life. 
That's the God that we serve. I love the story where they're looking to anoint a king. And they had all of their opinions on who should be a king, what a king should look like for Israel. 1 Samuel 16, this is where Samuel anoints David. Turn with me to 16, starting in verse 1. It says this, The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul? Since I have rejected him as king over Israel, fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate, the Lord indicates. Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, do you come in peace? Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. And when they arrived, Samuel with Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. Don't miss verse 7, church. Let this soak in. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. Let me say that again. The Lord does not look at things this world looks at, church. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadad and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shema pass by, but Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his other sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these so he asked Jesse, are all these, all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. I guess he didn't make the cut that day. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So we sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. The Lord said, rise up and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Church, this morning you might feel unqualified. Too young, too old. Maybe you're like David, he, he didn't even make the cut. You don't, you, you might say, I, I've sinned so much in the past, you don't know what I've done. I don't want to know what you did. But he knows. And he still wants to use you this morning. God's not looking for some perfect resume or a 4.0 GPA or a suit and tie or a Bible college degree. You know what God's looking for? 
what he looked for in David. A heart that is surrendered and undivided to him. And when he found that young boy that everybody looked at and said, there's no way he could be king, God used that young man to defeat Goliath, to take on a giant with a sling and a stone. Was he perfect? No. Have you heard of the story of Bathsheba? Church, you have a story this morning. Church, you have a testimony, and he wants to use you for his kingdom and his glory. What you have seen in your life in color is powerful. So this morning, it is time to burn the ships. Let me say that again. It's time to burn the ships. And what I mean by that is this. We read earlier in Joshua where he commanded the people. He said, and as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But right after that, I think sometimes I passed over this, but as I was studying, this stuck out to me. Right after that, he tells them that he wants them to destroy their idols. Because as soon as he challenges them, he knows that they're going to immediately want to turn back and start worshiping what they've been worshiping. Worshiping the false god and idols that they've been worshiping. So he says this in Joshua 24, 23. All right, then Joshua said, this is in your notes, destroy the idols among you. And turn your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. What he's telling them is this, no turning back. Just like we said with the Israelites, you don't want to go back to Egypt. They say, we want to go back. You don't want to go back. So we, I want you to destroy your idols. Some of you might know the story of Cortez in the year of 1519. Her name, Cortez, arrived in the New World with 600 men and upon arrival made history by destroying the ships that they arrived in. Why? Because he wanted to send a clear message to all of his men that there was no turning back. Two years later, he succeeded in his conquest. I put this in your notes this morning. It's really came to my mind as I thought about that scripture in this story. Retreat is easy if you have the option. Let me say that again. That's in your notes. Retreat is easy if you have the option. He knew that if, if they arrived and times got hard, it'd be really easy to want to hop on the boat and go home, take the easy way out. But if the ships were gone, they were committed. And Joshua knew that they needed to get rid of all their idols because it would be so easy for them to want to return. Luke 9, 62, it says this. No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back. That's in your notes. No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God of God. These are words of Jesus to a man who promised to follow him after saying goodbye to his family. Corey and the band are going to come out as I begin to close. 
today. As a church, we say that we are not going to turn back. That we are going to burn our ships. That we are going to go all in for this man named Jesus. That we are going to leave all of our idols behind. Whatever in your life this morning is holding you back. Whatever in, this li- in your life this morning is separating you from God, get rid of it. Whatever, whatever sin keeps getting you, get rid of it. And when the world sees a church that does that, when they see our lives in color, it will change their life, not because of who we are, but because of who is in us, Christ inside of us. I ask you this morning, have you burnt your ships? I ask you this morning, have you put your hand to the plow and not looked back? Because retreat is really easy if you're still turned around looking at Egypt. This morning we need to get rid of all options, all idols, everything in our past. The cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back. Tonight is Super Bowl 57. I looked it up and they estimated that tonight some 112 million will watch the game as the Chiefs play the Eagles. The Eagles, I wish it was the Bengals. I almost said Bengals. You will get to turn on the TV and see it in color. The first Super Bowl was televised on January the 15th 1967, the Packers and the Chiefs. In 1954, color TV started. Only 1% had it. That first game, there would have been a few in color. They'd have mostly watched it in black and white. In 1969, almost one-third of all households had color TV. By 1972, about half of the homes had color TV. And by 1984, it said that 90% of households had one color TV in their house. And I can only imagine for those that had years and years and years watched that black and white TV, when they plugged that new one in and stuck up the antenna and for the first time, they watched it in color. I'm sure it changed everything. And church, this morning I hold a book that it might be written in black and white. But when the Holy Spirit comes inside of your life, you will see this in color. And church, when you see this in color, it will transform your life. It will transform your family's life and your kid's life and your neighbor's life and those you work with and those you encounter at the gas station and when you're at the gas pump and everybody you come in contact with. Why? Because you have saw this in color and it has transformed your life. I ask you this morning, do you see this in color? Or has it just been a bunch of words? Because church, this morning, he wants to use you. He wants to use you for his kingdom and his glory. 
It says, his eyes range the earth to see hearts that are undivided for him. Is that your heart? Is that your life this morning? Or are you still, you've put your hands to the plow, but you're still looking back. You're still looking back at Egypt. You still got a lot of idols that you need this morning to lay down at the foot of the cross. I don't know this morning in your life what is separating you from him. But if there is anything, I encourage you this morning to lay those things down in surrender so that you can see this in color and it will transform your life. So today we're going to have a time of invitation. Maybe today you just need to come, come down and you need to lay down some things. Maybe today for the first time you need to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Maybe today you need to join this body of Christ and move your membership because you want to join with a lot of other people that take this serious and real. And it's not just words, but it is life. Church, he wants to use you. Surrender your life to him. Let's all stand as we have this time of invitation.